welcome everyone to another episode of the Noisecast. Um, I hope you are all doing well as we are um, still in the midst of this quarantine. But, you know, life does go on and thankfully, um, you know, many of us are turning to more uh, creative means and more creative outlets to kind of cope with uh, our new reality. So to that end, I am very happy to uh, have on the show tonight uh, Mr. Jamie McDonald. Uh, Jamie, could you just uh, quickly say hello to everyone and give everyone a little uh, bit of background about who you are and what you do? Sure. Hey, how is everybody doing this evening or afternoon, whenever you happen to come across and start listening to this episode? So as Alberto said, my name is Jamie McDonald. Uh, I'm a photographer who lives in Michigan, and I'm also an ambassador for Olympus Cameras and Vanguard Photo, who makes uh, tripods and backpacks and bags and things like that. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, Jamie, you know, we we've actually um, been kind of running in similar circles for, wow, almost uh, the better part of a decade, if uh, if memory serves correct. Um, You know, we were two of the, I guess, um, first vocal group of uh, pro and semi pro photographers that uh, picked up the micro four thirds uh, format. Um, that was back in the uh, Olympus days, right? Well, uh, well, I guess for me, it would be Olympus days. You're still with Olympus. Sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, I've always shot with Olympus cameras. That was my first digital camera was an Olympus DSLR, their E500. Mm-hmm. And when they made their announcement of starting to put out mirrorless products, uh, they had already come out with the Olympus pen, the very mm-hmm. first one. And that wasn't something that I had really paid much attention to and then they did this project called the pen mini project or the i think that's what it was the pen mini project they gave away a bunch of olympus pen cameras and i was fortunate enough to receive one then and i think that kind of opened my eyes to mirrorless and without hesitation kind of crazy when they made the announcement for the original omd em5 once i saw that and just being kind of a techie nerd kind of guy uh I realized that was probably going to be the future of photography. So I would definitely say I was an early adopter of all that. I sold my DSLR equipment, the entire system, except for one or two lenses and jumped wholeheartedly into the the mirrorless camp at that point. And just um, so to give people kind of an idea of some of the things that you you shoot, um, I think the best place to kind of get started is a lot of your... um, so it's um i'm assuming it's lake michigan is that correct Correct. yeah that's correct for sure so it's uh it's lake michigan it's more towards the northern part uh and in the dead of winter um one image that really stands out to me is this image of you well you took this image of a lighthouse Mm -hmm. with a what looks like a giant wave just kind of crashing on it and basically like as it's freezing at the it's like it's um, so, you know, could you just tell us a little bit about, um, what it is that drives you, um, in terms of photography, like, uh, you know, just what, what appeals to you and, and just kind of your style of photography. Sure. So, you know, people, when I give presentations, uh, at camera stores or workshops and things like that, when, when I start talking about me as a photographer, uh, generally people like to hear, 
you know, what genre you like to shoot in. And I just classify myself as an outdoor photographer. Uh, my focus is landscape and wildlife. And I pretty much tell everybody, though, if it's outside of my door, it's fair game. So that encompasses things like macro outdoors, the weather, uh, travel photography. It doesn't matter. But my my big focus, though, definitely is going to be more on landscape work. And uh, I do I do chase after animals quite a bit, you know, from time to time to take photos. But my passion certainly lies in landscape and weather as well, uh, because weather shapes you know, what your landscape image can look like also. So I find myself out in really inclement conditions. So the the photos that you're referencing that were shot along Lake Michigan shoreline, I shoot along the Lake Michigan shoreline all year long, but I have a, a certain affinity for getting there in like the November to February months um, because we get weather systems that move across Lake Michigan that produce really massive waves. Uh, probably some of the images that you're used to seeing that I've put out are in Grand Haven, Michigan and the lighthouse. It's a, a, a long pier that has a lighthouse in the middle of the pier. And at the end, they have this big building, they call it the fog house. And it's got a big breakwater on the front of it. So it's this wedge shaped design to help skirt the waves away from it. And the waves get so big that when they hit that breakwater, they're breaking 25, 30 feet up in the air. Jeez. And so the, the images that you've seen were probably the ones that are my most popular ones of that genre. And that was shot on New Year's Day a couple of years ago when we had 25 foot waves breaking against the pier. And again, one of the one of the things I like to do is just get out when people don't want to get out, because that's a great opportunity to get photos that most people aren't going to get. A lot of people don't want to give up the comfort of a warm house or dry clothes or things like that, you know, to get out and take those photos. So I always find that uh, a good opportunity to go make photos that that others aren't used to getting to do. And, you know, so it's it's interesting that you um, you mentioned that because one of the things that a lot of people um, ask me and, you know, um, I like I, I shoot things a little bit differently. I tend to shoot a lot more um, product, food, and and um, street life. Um, you know, when people ask the question, you know, what, how, what, how can I make my photos better? Uh, one of the things I always kind of go back to is, you know, shoot things you haven't shot before. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that, that you recommend? Like you just now, you mentioned, you know, be a little uncomfortable. Um, what other things you think are things that people kind of overlook um, when making photographs? Well, okay. So I, I like to tell people that in order to create something, you have to give something up. I always feel like there's this give and take between the process of creating something. And um, I, so again, I, I mentioned a minute ago that people have to be willing to give up you know, the warmth of their home or dry clothes, or sometimes it's giving up time from your day or whatever. So just, I tell people to be willing to sacrifice something in order to create. And you mentioned, you know, being outside of comfort zones and things like that. So for me lately, I've gotten completely out of what I would consider my comfort zone and actually have done a couple of boudoir shoots. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting to do something that's 180 degrees from what you normally would do because you start to quickly realize that the things that you do shoot normally, there are ways to, to draw from those experiences and incorporate those into this new style of shooting. So for me, for example, 
going into boudoir shooting, I know the technical aspects of it all. It's not hard to figure out. Um, you know, I know how to get a proper exposure and, you know, I know where to keep my aperture if I want to isolate something or if I want, you know, greater depth of field, I know what to do. But then I started drawing on my experiences shooting landscape photography and started looking at the human form as landscapes. So I, I felt personally, and the client also, I think, enjoyed the photos as well. Um, just a little bit different approach, focusing more on isolated areas and just kind of showing silhouettes and shapes and forms. And that all really comes back from, from my landscape experience and then trying to adapt that to this other genre of photography. So I think a good lesson for people to start practicing is take what it is that you're familiar with, apply those same principles and concepts and mindsets to a completely new genre of photography. It's a good exercise to do right now while you're, you know, we'll say trapped at home. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so if you are a landscape photographer, run into your kitchen or your, your garage and grab out some tools and start laying those things out on the table and start getting close and just, picturing those as little miniature landscapes, you know, on this still life scene that you're setting up, you know, and if you're a portrait photographer, it's the same thing. You know, you can take household objects, get your lights out and light an inanimate object in your home the same way you might light a model if you're doing a portrait shoot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can definitely say that that is um, one of the things that um, has kept me from absolutely losing my mind. Um, you know, just being unable to walk around and, you know, just kind of capture life. Um, right now, I've purposely avoided um, taking pictures of empty streets um, just because for my own, I guess, mental well-being, I'm not in. I'm not currently in the right place to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, I can definitely, I will definitely attest to the fact that, you know, pl uh, playing around with what you have and trying new techniques is definitely something um, that is helping. You know, making making this whole situation just like a lot more bearable and and actually kind of fun, right? Yeah, um, for sure. So, you know, speaking of kind of being in in this new reality of just kind of we're, we're limited to, you know, how many places we can go. Have you have you gotten to that point uh, where you're at, um, you know, for context, like uh, I'm in New York and basically everything short of uh, someone who works in a hospital, uh, mass transit or uh, emergency services is pretty much required to stay in. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's not much going on outside. Uh, so are, is, are you guys seeing the same thing over there? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say, unfortunately, no, because, un and I'm saying unfortunately, because I think that that's probably what we need at this time is for more people to be staying away from other people here in Michigan. We're actually number three in the country as far as the number of cases. So you would think that we'd be a little more strict and stern about people out and about, but yet you'll find that, um, you know, home improvement stores have been packed with people that are doing home projects and things mm. like that. So it's a little absurd to me that we're in this situation here in Michigan. But granted, it is a little bit different than we'll say New York because uh, the city sizes obviously are a lot smaller than New York and spaced further apart. So the density isn't quite there. But regardless of that, um, we're not seeing as strict of rules here. I know that our shelter in place uh, order has been extended through the, uh, I think the end of the month, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, I mean, people are, 
it's about a 50 50 split here and it's kind of depressing because I want to get through this as fast as possible. And if we can't get people to cooperate, then I'm afraid it's going to drag out. Uh, I know my family and I were doing our part though. We're staying in unless it's necessary to go out for groceries. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of keep hammering home, you know, regardless of what you feel, even if you feel this whole thing is, is a hoax, um, stay home anyway, you know? Yeah. It's, um, you know, but just I just want to move away from that for for sure. a bit. Um, so you know, we both kind of have our, I guess, like our our current um, our current chapter in creativity kind of like started in uh, Olympus cameras. You obviously went on to uh, work more closely with uh, with the company mm-hmm. before everything happened. Um, you know, Olympus had announced the new EM5 Mark III, I believe. Yes. Um, did, you, did you get a chance to, to play around with that yet? Um, I did not shoot with the EM5 Mark III. I spent uh, a fair amount of time with the EM1 Mark III, and I've got one of those actually being delivered on Tuesday. That's going to oh, be a more, cool. more permanent camera for me to carry. Mm-hmm. But um, no, not specifically with the EM5 Mark III. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, you know, kind of like, um, your, your first, uh, your first impressions on the EM one, uh, Mark three. Yeah, it's a solid camera. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an upgrade from the EM one Mark two, obviously. I mean, they've got more features that have been added to the camera, uh, familiar form factor with the addition of a, a, jo- a joystick or thumbstick on the back of the camera, which is always welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're someone like me who likes to, you know, set up on the tripod, be looking through the viewfinder. And then if I need to move my focus point around, it's a lot easier to do it with a thumbstick than any other way. Um, you know, the build quality, again, it's, it's typical of the the EM1 line of cameras, robust. Uh, the weather ceiling is ridiculous, which is important to someone like me who spends a lot of time in the pouring down rain or the snow shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, having that shot with the EM5 Mark III, I can without a doubt say that it's, it's going to be the same experience with that one as well. You know, as far as being an upgrade from the EM five Mark two, that's one thing Olympus is known for is uh, their weather ceiling is astounding. And again, for someone like me, who's willing to go out, make that personal sacrifice to sit in the rain for two hours in the hopes of getting lightning or, you know, out in driving snow in hopes of catching big waves crashing on the lake shore then the uh, the weather ceiling in those cameras is important. And I know it's present on both of those. So, you know, you're, you're coming from a more, um, you know, obviously you're, you're, I wouldn't say your specialties landscapes, but that's something that you're, you're kind of always drawn to. What, what are like some of, you know, your, your choices of, of lenses for um, landscape photography? So are you the, like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. No, I was just curious if you're, you're more into like, um, the stuff in the telephoto range, if you're more so in like those super wides. Yeah. So I can pretty much get away with the Olympus cameras um, with two lenses would round out my landscape kit and get me probably 85% of everything I would ever want. And the two lenses would probably be the 12 to 100, uh, mm-hmm. which is funny because when that lens first was announced and Olympus, you know, gave us our, our briefing on it before it came out. My first thought honestly was, Oh no, like who, who wants an all in one lens? You know, they're historically, they're not like the greatest things out there, you know, typically Mm -hmm. to cover such a broad focal range. But when that, when I got that lens, um, and then had been using it for about a a month and a half, two months, finally, when the, uh, 
the embargo lifted and I could start talking about it by then I was madly in love with the lens. The quality is insane. The focal range is pretty good because you do want some sort of telephoto. You want some sort of reach with landscape photography. It's, uh, I know a lot of people think it's not really, it doesn't make sense to shoot at a telephoto end for landscape, but there are instances where it matters and we can talk about that in a bit. But with Olympus, the 12 to 100 and the 7 to 14 millimeter 2.8, those are my two go-tos. Uh, if I need ultra wide, you know, the 7 millimeter into the cell, 7 to 14 is is plenty wide for what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then again, like I said, the 12 to 100, just because if I want a little bit of extra reach um, to bring, you know, certain elements of the image and the landscape closer, then I've got it with that lens. Uh, but Aside from being an ambassador for Olympus, I'm in a, a different role with them now than I had been in the past. In the past, I was part of the visionary program. Uh, and per my contract as an Olympus visionary, my ability to shoot with other cameras and other systems wasn't really allowed, or at least I couldn't promote or talk about it so much. Mm -hmm. um, but now I'm uh, in another role as an educator and my contract allows me to we'll say play on the other side of the fence. Right. <laughs> so, so once that opportunity was afforded me, the first thing I did was, you know, do a little investigating and research into what else is out there. Because remember I had only ever shot Olympus cameras all the way until I'm going to say last, well, last year, about this time, about April. Mm -hmm. um, so I did my research and I knew that Sony was probably the route I was going to go. So that's what I ended up doing was picking up a uh, Sony a seven two to test it out. And then, eventually upgraded into the a7 III. So on that system for landscape photography, uh, I went out and just got a cheap uh, Samyang 14 millimeter 2.8 autofocus version. Nice. Uh, it was, I think it was like $400 maybe, maybe 500 at the most. Yeah, those are solid um, lenses too. It's great. The focus is quick on it um, and uh, the build quality is really good on that lens as well. And and new to me because of the aspect ratio change from, you know, Sony's full frame to Olympus, mm -hmm. uh, I've got a lot wider of a format. So the 14 millimeter is just super, super wide for landscape and uh, kind of trying to follow in line with what I had for an Olympus system for landscape. I ended up jumping into Tamron's. Uh, they've got a 28 to 75 millimeter. So I picked that up and I picked up their 17 to 28 as well. So those are like my three lenses that are in my bag for landscape currently with Sony. Um, and I think that's probably what I'll stick with with them for a while are the two Tamron lenses in the Samyang. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, um, well, you know, your needs are, are very different from mine. I was actually um, looking into, I'm on the fence between going back to Canon and getting like a, a Canon R mm -hmm. or uh, the Sony uh a seven three. So it's just like, uh, every, every single time I try to convince myself, like I'm going to go with Canon, I always hear something great about Sony and it makes it <laughs> yeah. so difficult to, to like, you know, pull the trigger on that. Yeah. I think some of the deciding factor for me behind the Sony was, uh, just how much progression they've made in their mirrorless cameras in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, really outside of, Olympus and Panasonic being super early into the mirrorless game. Everybody else spent a lot of time playing catch up, I think. And mm -hmm. I, I just personally felt like the, uh, the advancements that I seen from Sony seemed to want to steer me in that direction. And the fact that, I mean, Sony makes the sensors for a lot of camera brands. So, you know, their sensor technology is great. And of course I'm assuming 
that since they produce the sensors, they probably make sure that the best technology kind of stays in their own court. Yeah, so, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so that's why I went with the Sony. The uh, the backside illuminated sensor on that camera is great. The dynamic range is is gorgeous on that camera. Awesome, man. So, um, you know, kind of before we jumped on 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 this on this call, we were we were talking about just kind of how we had um, plans uh, to do you know like just kind of travel more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Once everything kind of, and I don't want to say gets back to normal, but once things kind of settle down, um, will you go back to doing some of your, um, some of like, I guess like the, like the photo walks you did in, in Michigan last year? Mm-hmm. Um, are you, are you going, are you going to hit the road again? Oh, for sure. So I had already had a, a workshop that was scheduled for actually this upcoming week. <laughs> it was going to be in Ohio at this park called Hocking Hills. And we had the workshop about filled up and had to postpone that. We moved it to October. So there's definitely a guaranteed workshop there. And I will, of course, be doing like free events as well. Uh, travel wise, I've got a trip. I haven't canceled any of my flights or my anything. I'm supposed to be headed to Iceland with my two boys, my sons, uh, June 3rd to the 13th. And we were going to be traveling the ring road via camper van for 10 days. And I, again, like I said, I have not canceled the flight. I haven't canceled the camper van. And I am almost to the point where if they're going to let us fly out of the country and come home, I will don a hazmat suit and gloves and a respirator (laughs) and whatever I have to do to make that trip so that we can go uh, have that adventure. And another important reason for that trip, aside from it being a life trip for my my uh, kids and I is that it's also going to be a, a scouting mission for a 2021 workshop in Iceland that I want to do a really small intimate workshop with maybe five attendees. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of have to make that trip happen. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, it's, it's funny. You, you mentioned that, um, you know, off, you know, online, we, we talked about it when you first mentioned it. Um, I said, you absolutely have to go. I, I was fortunate enough to, uh, be part of a press junket with Olympus, oddly enough with, for the EM one Mark two. Um, and that's actually where I got to test out that, um, uh, that 12 to 100. And I, I got to test that along with the 50 mil, uh, pro lens. And you would think that I, I would have gravitated towards the 50, but I ended up just like falling in love with that 12 to 100 as well. So, yeah, it's an astounding yeah. lens, especially when you couple it with the right body. So the EM one Mark two, EM one Mark three, EM one X, um, the image stabilization in the lens synchronizes with the in-body image stabilization. And I know you were at the event that Olympus did, uh, in New York at Chelsea Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was actually the first time you and I had met in person. Um, and I know that we had gone outside. There are groups of people going outside to see how long they could handhold, you know, photos oh, yeah. with that combo. I think Chris Gampett got like some absurd, like 10 or 11 second exposure. It's just ridiculous how long of an exposure it was. So it's, it's a great lens, especially when you couple it on, you know, one of Olympus's great bodies that it, that it communicates with. Yeah, I, I, it's, it was, um, it's, it's absolutely a dream to, to shoot with. Um, you know, it's, 
it's uh, it's very well balanced. I'll I'll just that that's probably the best way to sure. to to describe it because you know it's just like you you look at the the EM one bodies and again we're talking about a micro four third system, uh, far more compact than you know even your mirrorless Sony right. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, I would say like maybe uh, they shave off about a quarter of of the size of your typical full frame mirrorless camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, nothing feels like it's going to tip over to the front. It, you know, it's just uh, like, that's the one thing I absolutely tip my hat to Olympus every single time. It's just like their attention to ergonomics is phenomenal. Yeah. So I've seen, uh, through some of the, the meetings that we've had with Olympus over the years, the mock-ups that they go through, uh, when it comes to ergonomics, you know, how many models they go through to get everything dialed in just right. So your fingers really do just kind of fall into place on their cameras. And again, given the fact that they are small, um, even people that have larger hands, I mean, obviously while your, your pinky might drop off the bottom of the camera, you know, for some people with their hands, um, mm-hmm. for the most part though, you know, your index finger, middle finger, ring finger, things like that, the way, where they do nest on the camera and your, where your thumb placement goes, you could tell it was designed uh, for comfort in mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, again, it's one of those things where um, even with the the EM One X, um, you know, I know uh, a lot of people on forums wanted to instantly pan it for its size, um, but really, you know, um, I, I recently got to review review the EM One X and. I, I I fell in love with it. Like it's it's literally overkill for anything that I would do, but it's just it was a dream to hold and just yeah. to, you know it's it, it just like like a glove. Like that's literally what it feels like. It's like putting on the perfect glove. I walk around with the EM1X lots of times with just so I you know I'm right-handed so I hold it in my right hand and I'll have my four fingers locked into you know, the grip portion of it. And I will just let the camera dangle nested in my fingers. It just, it just hangs there so comfortably. And it's funny though, that you did mention that when the EM one X was announced and and people started to see, you know, photos of it and, you know, see it in person, there was this panic that, Oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is, this goes against everything Olympus has been doing. This camera is huge. You know, it's like a DSLR and, and not realizing that that camera is very purpose built. You know, it fills a niche. There's a certain subset of the market that require that kind of a camera. And then it wasn't necessarily for everyone anyways. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had, I was doing a a presentation at a camera store and I had finished my presentation. I was just kind of wandering around mingling, talking to people. And the store owner said, you know, Hey Jamie, come over here for a second. You know, this customer's got some questions about the EM1X. So he said, yeah, sure. So I, wandered over and he looked me dead in the eye and he said, tell me why this camera makes sense. Why are they doing this? And you know, that was basically what I told him. I said, you know, there's a certain subset of the market that demanded a a pro level camera that was larger so that bigger lenses like the 300 millimeter and the upcoming uh, 150 to 400. So they balance out well. And for the people who don't need that, there's a product in their lineup to fit everyone's everyone's needs. So again, it was just a matter of rounding out their product lineup with that camera. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, you know, I think one of the things that everyone, you know, no one has ever knocked Canon for continuing to produce the, you know, the, the one DX, 
Mm-hmm. You right. know, so it's it's no different. You know, it's no different than Sony having the uh, the what was it the A nine series, which Correct. is yeah a much bigger camera. It's you know, and again, it, it's funny because you know when you look at um, the specs on a piece of paper. You know the why would anyone buy a, a A9 over like a A7 III? You know, like the A7 III has it beat on uh, a number of um, specs, but you know there's a reason why that camera exists, and it's not about necessarily building a camera for everyone. It's about building the right tool for the person that needs it. So you know, That's exactly I, I've, right. I, I was, um, you know, like I said, I, I was a, I was a little hesitant about the, the EM1X when I, uh, you know, when the opportunity came to review it. Um, but after spending some time with it, like I instantly knew who it was for, what it was for. And, um, you know, again, it, it's like the reality is it's not for me. I'm more so kind of like the EM5, EM1 kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for, for someone who is going to be, you know, someone who needs a tank will buy a tank. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, Jamie, let me ask you something. As soon as everything is, is done, what's the first thing you're going to do? Oh man. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to grab my camera gear and head to the lake shore. <laughs> I, I love spending time on the West side of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to head, it's probably about two hours northwest of where i live i hit the lake shore at that point and then i just work my way north there are a series of lighthouses that i love to go visit uh we've got miles and miles and miles of beautiful sandy beach you know here in michigan and Mm -hmm. there are just gorgeous variety of lighthouses and coastline along the way so i'm probably going to i'm assuming it's going to be better weather (laughs) so i'll i'll roll the windows down in my truck i'll throw two camera bags in the back seat and I'm just going to hit the open road with some music playing. And if I see something along the way, I stop and shoot it. Uh, and then I'll just work my way up the coast from there. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. You know, I'm, I got my fingers crossed for you and, and your son. So that when June comes around, you know, you'll be able to jump into an airplane, no hazmat suit required. <laughs> that would be wonderful for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you know, is there anything else that, that's going on right now? Because I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know it's a, it's a Sunday night, and I'm sure we all we all got things that, that we need to get done. Uh, nothing going on currently, but I do want to, uh, before we wrap this up, though, I just want to give a plug, if possible, to the yeah, podcast it, that I do. So I've been running a podcast for over five years now. It's called Mirrorless Minutes. Uh, and it started off initially, it was mostly all Olympus speak, but over... Over the last year or so, we've started to bring on guests who don't shoot with just Olympus and we talk more just broadly about photography as it were. So if people are interested in looking for something new to listen to, um, aside from your podcast, uh, we always welcome a new listener. You just you can find us by searching for mirrorless minutes on whatever service you use, whether it's SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play Music, we're all over the place. And that is, and we do it live as well. Uh, every other Wednesday night, uh, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, it will be live at 8 PM Eastern standard time. It broadcasts to our YouTube channel and Facebook simultaneously. And then usually the audio version comes out the next day. Uh, and like a lot of people, um, right now I've been spending a lot of time doing this, uh, doing interviews and, and chats and hosting my own, you know, uh, episodes between 
the mirrorless minutes episodes. I do solo ones without my co-host. I just call those between the minutes. And I've just been having guests on to interview them there as well. And I'm actually going to do this in the middle of your podcast. I'm just going to invite you on as well, Alberto. I'd love to have you on, on my podcast as well and just kind of flip the script and maybe interview you if you're open to that. that would yeah, be for fun. sure. Yeah. Whenever, uh, whenever you have some time, I'd be happy to join. That would be great. But other than that, sir, that's probably about it. I'm just kind of holding down the fort here with my two kids, um, cooking lots of home cooked meals and trying to sneak out into the yard. And we've got some local trails that usually don't have any people on them. And I'll, I'll sneak out there into the woods and just wander by myself with my cameras and, and try to find something to capture. Awesome, man. Jamie, thank you so much for uh, coming by and, and just taking a few minutes. Um, you know, I know we all could use a, a break from from reality. And thank you for giving us a, the opportunity to talk shop and, you know, just talk about making better pictures. For sure. It's been great to be on. I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for checking us out this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, be sure to check us out on social media. We're at Noisecast on Twitter and Facebook and The Noisecast on Instagram. More than ever, we need your help to put this show together, so please consider supporting our Patreon effort. You can go to patreon.com slash The Noisecast to learn more. Again, we're in the middle of uh, raising some funds so that we can keep this show going for the remainder of the year. And be sure to check us out. Drop us a line, share it with your friends, and leave us any uh, comments. We love the feedback. Thanks again. Have a good night.